spooky friends. Welcome to another episode of Dairyland Frights, the paranormal podcast that covers everything spooky, creepy, and mysterious in the Midwest. My name is John. I'm here with my two co-hosts, Brooke and Megan. So how you guys doing? Pretty good, John. I'm excited to tell a very sad story today. (laughs) 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 It'll be really interesting. I'm excited. It's gonna be good. Uh, and I Megan, am very, I'm, yeah, I'm very excited to hear a very sad story. <laughs> wait, wait, do I need to get my tissues, ladies? Because... You know, maybe, maybe, just in case. Also, on our last podcast, yes, we talked about Zach. We did. Megan's big story, so. <laughs> yeah, we're still waiting for some updates on that whole situation, yes. but we'll keep you guys posted. <laughs> So, let's get right to it. Today, Brooke is going to tell us about the historical tragedy that happened right here in Wisconsin with a, oh boy, a high death toll, but mm-hmm. it's hardly ever talked about? Yes. Oh, that, please, Brooke, I'd like to hear why. <laughs> yeah, I'm, you know, it's. I think this will be really interesting, and I'm interested to hear whether you guys um, have heard of this or if you know anything about this, but it's a... Uh, it's crazy to me. I didn't even personally know about this story until very recently when my dad was talking about it. I had heard the name of it, but I didn't really know like the impact that it had um, on the state and on like really kind of the course of history. So I'm very excited to get into it. It's going to be a little, a little sad. It's a very big tragedy, but it'll be really interesting as well. So as you guys might know, the Chicago fire is a well-known tragedy which killed approximately 300 people that destroyed <laughs> roughly 3.3 square miles of downtown mm-hmm. Chicago between October 8th and the 10th of 1871. The fire destroyed over 17,000 buildings and left 100,000 wow. people homeless. Crazy, yeah. 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 But what if I, well, okay, because of the notoriety, many might assume that this is one of the most deadly fires in American history. And that's not entirely untrue. It is a very deadly fire. But what if I told you that the Great Chicago Fire was not even the most deadly fire in the upper Midwest, and it wasn't even the most deadly fire in the upper Midwest on October 8th of 1871? On the same day? On the same day. No way. Mind blowing. The Great, the Peshtigo Fire happened in Wisconsin on October 8th of 1871, the exact same day as the Chicago Fire um, and we will get into it, but the, uh, yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's honestly crazy. We'll get into the, the very, and it's not even the, there's, there's more to it. You guys just wait till you guys hear about all this craziness, but nice. uh, crazy stuff. And we will get into the death toll and all of that. But I wanted to first shout out a couple sources that I use putting all this information together. Um, weather.gov. Interestingly, tons of information. Okay. Um, the Peshtigo Fire Museum website, um, the city of Peshtigo website, and then the Great Peshtigo Fire, an eyewitness account by Peter Pernan. Um, hmm. So we'll talk about Peter a couple times throughout this. But I'm just going to get right into it because we have a lot of interesting stuff to talk about. Um, and yeah, I'm excited to tell you guys. So a little bit about the city town of Peshtigo in 1871. Um, the population at the time was around 2000 people. It included a schoolhouse, which was pretty rare for the time. They were very proud of their schoolhouse. It had two churches, a bank, multiple factories. Um, I think there were two main factories, and they both manufactured different, uh, like, wood products. Mm. So wood was, I mean, timber, everything was such a huge part of the Peshtigo 
uh, economy. So Peshigo was set alongside the Peshigo River in a heavily wooded area, making it a thriving town of loggers and one of the most, uh, one of the largest and most developed settlements in the area, actually, at the time. And settlement in the city actually began in the 1830s, and the first sawmill was built in 1836. So that's when logging became, it just started becoming like more and more bustling around this time. Um, the forest was, like I said, a huge part of the economy. Peshtigo at the time was actually surrounded by white pines, which we actually talked about white pines during the Hodag episode, our very first episode. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So this was kind of a similar time period where like lumber, uh, the lumber industry was just thriving in Wisconsin. It was a huge part of the economy. One of the, like probably the biggest economy or um, industries in Wisconsin. Um, so these white pines can grow uh, 120 to 170 feet tall and wow. they can be about six feet wide. So they're huge trees. And I actually learned that um, one white pine can actually be um, produce enough wood to put uh, to build like an entire house, just one tree. Whoa. Uh, yeah, That's which is crazy. Nice. Yeah. And yeah. they also um, they also float. So um uh, they were actually really easy to like put into the river and float down to the sawmills. Mm. So this was just like a huge industry at the time. Um, so the trees would be chopped down and floated down the river to the sawmill where they would be treated to be used as lumber to build homes, furniture, and more um, at one of the factories in Peshtigo. And because wood was so abundant in the area, it was used for like literally everything. So mm-hmm. the shavings were used to even stuff mattresses, which is pretty crazy, but they were also used for... <laughs> so many other things like wood shavings were used to like soak up mud and water like along the streets um every single house is made of wood like all of the there were like boardwalks made of wood everything was made of wood because there was so much of it right um and in fact the ogden wooden woodware company in peshtigo which manufactured wooden items like tool handles and clothespins was actually the largest factory of its kind in the entire u.s at the time so Hmm. very it's a little town you know we think of peshtigo as being a little town but at the Mm -hmm. time it was very thriving yeah so another thing that was kind of a product of the time being you know 1870s there was not a ton of knowledge about the dangers of forest fires um for one like this area was not really like, you know, these drier areas in the south. This was a heavily wooded area that also had a lot of moisture. So they really didn't have to worry about it so much. Like they had small fires, but it wasn't anything that would like spread like crazy because usually the trees were very wet and uh, mm-hmm. and things just didn't spread like crazy. So at the time, uh, lumberjacks would actually burn leftover stumps and branches in the woods. Uh, Farmers would use fire to clear their fields. Uh, Railroad workers would use fire to clear debris from railroad routes. Um, So they were using fire a ton and they didn't even really think about, you know, the dangers of it. It was just kind of part of life. Um, And something else that's kind of interesting is at the time, at this time, like fires could get so bad that um, the schoolhouse in Peshtigo would have to shut down due to like dense smoke and ash in the air. Um, Yeah. And this was just normal. And then people would sometimes need to use lanterns during the day to navigate the town because there was so much ash in the air. Mm -hmm. That's great. Oh, that's normal. Yeah. It was just, yeah, they just thought it was totally normal. And uh, ships would have to use like foghorns and compasses to navigate too (laughs) because the smoke was so thick. So... Yeah, and it was just part, it was just normal life in Peshtigo. Like, they were like, yeah, oh, you know, boy. it's another, it's another yeah, fire day, I guess. Yeah. 
yeah so really crazy um so how would you guys feel if you had to leave school because of uh you know fire and ash (laughs) regularly wow that sounds intense you know what? I'm just thinking, did everyone in this town have like a constant sore throat because they're always breathing yeah. like smoke all the time? They yeah. did. That was a huge issue, actually, is a lot of people wow. would get sick from from it. And they again, yeah. they just like didn't they were like, oh, well, you know, it's just people like were just not very risk averse at the time because like lumbering, sure. you know, lumberjack yeah. or whatever. That was yeah. already a very risky, dangerous profession. So people were just kind of like used to being in danger <laughs> all the time, I feel like, right. which is kind of crazy, but uh, but yeah, you know, it, was, it was an issue. You know what the worst part is? Uh, like, I have a fire pit back of my house, and I'll, and I'll sit in front of it, you know, like in a cool summer night, and I stink, mm-hmm. like, you know, wouldn't smoke. Can mm-hmm. you imagine being like Everyone's that? Everyone's smelling like that? Yeah, it's probably right. true. And, and remember, in the 1800s, ladies, and of course myself, they were always dressed with dresses mm-hmm. and suits and you know what I mean? So it wasn't like you put on your shorts and your flip-flops. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. I walk out, right? Or just yeah. hop in the shower. This it's is very constant. true. How would you like that? Sitting next to your coworker and you're just. <laughs> yeah, just all reeking smoking. of bonfire. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but no they way. all reek. If they all reek, none yeah, of them. Yeah, maybe they can't. Maybe they can't even smell it. <laughs> yeah. 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 You get to a point where. Yeah, you're just like, hey, Bill. Hey, George. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? Right? Yeah, it's crazy. But it, yeah, it really was just part of part of the culture back then, which is so yeah. interesting. But yes. Um, but yeah, so kind of crazy. But on October 8th, moving on, October 8th of 1871, um, according to weather.gov, they uh, actually had seen dense smoke they had observed it for multiple days leading up to the, the Peshtigo fire um, by the people at Fort Embarrass, um, which was <laughs> oh, I like an interesting <laughs> name. Um, Fort Embarrass. Uh, and, they're, and it's actually okay. in the town. The town is called Embarrass, Wisconsin, which I thought what? was very funny. Yeah, I, I had never heard that. of it, but it's still... It's still uh, okay. Uh, but this funny. town, yeah, this town is about 60 miles southwest of Peshtigo, and they actually kept very detailed weather records at the time. So, like, different mm. forts around would, like, you know, they would, like, write down their, you know, like, observations and stuff like that, which is kind of interesting. Um, so they knew that there were fires, and that wasn't exactly... Um, out of the ordinary but the um the townsfolk also knew that a fire was coming and like normal they kind of prepared to fight it so they would fill big barrels full of water and they would like ready the pumps that they would normally use to fight these sorts of small fires that would pop up around the town um and because of the life that they were used to with all the fire forest fires being fairly normal um due to the activity of lumberjacks and farmers and railway workers they weren't really immediately alarmed they were like ah it's just you know typical day in Peshtigo let's just get ready to fight this fire however on the evening of Sunday October 8th uh, the fire reached Peshtigo and uh, the survivors described this like insane roaring sound that all of a sudden like came out of nowhere and all of a sudden everyone heard it um, and the flames just burst through the nearby forest like completely out of nowhere people weren't expecting this at all and it was just this like roaring inferno of flames um and it began consuming the town so 
quickly. According to eyewitnesses, they actually described it at the speed of a railway locomotive is what this, like how this fire blew through town. Dang. Um, so very quickly, the men who were in charge of like these water pumps and water barrels realized that there was no hope in fighting the fire. So everyone started just fleeing. Um, the entire town just started running for their lives and um, everything burned. So people were saying like, Obviously, houses, everything made of wood burn, but also like animals, people's clothes, people's hair. Oh. Like one person described seeing a young girl where her where her hair, like she had very long hair, and it like caught fire, and like her oh. entire head caught on fire. That would be um, crazy. Yeah, and yeah. everything was just like adding fuel to the fire. So like right. it just kept like building and building and building, and essentially a firestorm was created, which is I had never really I'd heard this. Uh, term but I didn't really know what it meant but a firestorm essentially is a fire that's so hot that it creates its own wind system um, so essentially mm. like firestorms can actually burn as hot as 2000 degrees um, Whoa. insane yeah <laughs> and they can also create what are called like convection columns which are essentially fire tornadoes um, and this likely happened Jeez. in Peshtigo because some of the survivors claim that they saw the firestorm like throwing rail cars and houses like into the air like just oh, stuff just wow. like flying everywhere as if it was they kind of described it as like a hurricane Oof. yeah like a yeah. yeah like a tornado yeah. almost mm -hmm. yeah. like a tornado or hurricane of just fire yeah which is absolutely oh. insane i can't even like fathom that mm. no um but as most people and they kind of knew to do this because again they knew a little bit about how these fires went most people ran for the peshtigo river so there's actually the Peshtigo River runs right down the middle of town, which is what they would use to uh, move the lumber um, down. So that river ran through town. So they all tried to run for the river and like get to the other side um, because they didn't think that the fire would cross the river, but it did. It jumped oh, no. the river pretty easily, ended up burning both sides of the town. So then Aww. people just planned on like staying in the water, thinking that that would save them. <laughs> um so according to Reverend Peter Pernan, who he has like the most kind of um, like long, well-constructed account of what happened. He was a survivor um, there. He, so he has he has like a lot of firsthand stories. But he said, a, as a quote, the flames darted over the river as fast as they did over land. The air was full of them or rather the air itself was flame. Their heads were constantly in danger. Um, and he said that the um, only... It was only by like throwing water over their faces and heads constantly and splashing water continually that they were able to keep the flames at bay. And then also some people had like taken stuff from their homes, like quilts and mattresses to try to like save them. So they were like grabbing the quilts, um, wow. hiding underneath them, but they had to like completely like some wow. seconds mm -hmm. because otherwise they would like dry up and disintegrate. So they were like pretty much like bobbing in and out of the water just constantly. Um, and it's actually many people, if people didn't die from like burning to the fire a lot of people actually ended up drowning or dying of hypothermia because the it was october so it was pretty cold out mm -hmm. so the river water was actually only 40 degrees Ooh, um terrible yeah and um i think i have it in in my outline somewhere but they ended up having to stay in the water for about six hours so oh, it was a long no. yeah a long no period of way. time yeah, to stay in that super cold water. So some people did not even make it, even if they made it to the river. So um, I wanted to mention a couple personal stories. These are a little dark, but um, I feel like <laughs> sometimes it's hard to uh, 
like empathize really with people who lived so long ago because life was so different that it just mm-hmm. seems so right. like disconnected. So I wanted to mention like some firsthand accounts just to like give a little bit more context for like how people felt um, during that time. So the first one, this is actually from a sign that's in the cemetery near the Pestigo Fire Museum. So this is about the Kelly family. So this is like a direct quote. This is what the sign says. So it says Terrence Kelly, his wife and four children lived in the upper sugar bush. When the fire came with the terrible wind and smoke, the family became separated. Voices could not be heard over the roar of the fire. Mr. Kelly had a child in his arms, as did Mrs. Kelly. The other two children clung to each other and searched for safety. Each group lost track of the others. The next day, Mr. Kelly and a child were found dead nearly a mile from his farm. Mm -hmm. The mother and another child were safe. The other children, a boy and a girl, who were both five were found sleeping in each other's arms near the farm, the house barn and all the outbuildings had burned to the ground. So apparently the, oh. these two kids survived, which is mm-hmm. kind of crazy. Oh, no. Yeah. Um, another survivor. This is Anna Korstad Iverson. And I believe she's actually from like Norway or something like a Scandinavian mm. country. Sure. So she said, um, we sat on a raft covered with feather with a feather bed, my mother holding me and my father, spilling water over the three of us as fast as he could so our clothing would not catch fire but mother's clothing burned nearly off her back so yeah so she and her they actually did end up surviving she and her parents which is great but um but yeah it was obviously very traumatic um wesley duckett was another survivor so he said when balls of fire started coming down from the sky my mother and father took us to the spring and wrapped us in wet quilts again these wet quilts like seem to have saved a lot of people like uh, mm-hmm. uh which is great that people kind of knew what to do but sure. he also said uh, my mother and father were temporarily blind which we will see come up again this is a common occurrence as well mm. uh, i went to see mrs reinhardt our neighbor and i found her dead he recalled I liked her a lot and that really hurt me. Her shawl had not completely burned. So I took the corner that was left and kept it with me for many years. Yeah. Very touching. Yeah. Um, And then this was really interesting too. So this is actually a letter written by Martha Newberry Kuhn to her sister-in-law, Mary. Um, This was written two days after the fire. So October 10th. And in her letter, George, she'll talk about George. That is Martha's husband. So the author's, the person who's writing it, George is her husband. And then Charlie is her brother. And then Grace is Charlie's wife. So her sister-in-law. So that's, those are the people she's talking about. Mm. And then she's writing to her other sister-in-law. So she said, dear, and I, I clipped out some parts of this. So this isn't um, 100% what it says, but there's like the most um, kind sure. of crazy parts, but she said, dear sister, I have bad news to tell Charlie and his two little boys are gone. Oh, what a horrible oh. death. I know. There was a tornado Jeez. of fire swept over the farming district and on the Peshtigo village. It came on us very suddenly. Charlie and his family started to flee. They got about a half mile from home when they, when they went into a little pool of water. Charlie had the two children and some things he was trying to save. He passed through the water, thinking to get farther away from the fire. Oh, Mary, it was truly a night of horror. It rained fire. The air was on fire. Some thought the last day had come. Mary, my father, four brothers, two sisters-in-law, and five of their children, two of Grace's, and three of Brother Walter's <laughs> passed away. Oh, like, no. all those people in her life. Like, it's insane. Oh, she said, no. uh, ah, dear Mary, we are almost crazy. No one can hardly, one can hardly keep one's senses together to write you anything. 
George went over to see if he could find their bodies. He found Charlie and the children. Charlie and Jesse were lying on their faces, and Frankie was sitting down by a stump with his hands up to his face. Poor, poor little ones. Grace counted 89 dead bodies within the space of a half a mile. Oh. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, Mary, Grace has no clothes. I either. Our eyes were all burned, no. but we are better now. George, Eddie, and I were saved by fleeing to the river. Oh, hmm. my so, goodness. Yeah, just crazy. Oh. Like, imagine that many people in your family, like, passing away. Like, it was, like, half of her family, at least. Like, yeah. four of her brothers. I Yeah, just absolutely insane. And, but, and um, just really quickly, remember, yeah. people didn't have cell phones, mm-hmm. <laughs> the internet, or next day air. So this would take, if you're lucky, maybe close to a month to, yeah, get. to get to someone. Yeah. So imagine if you hear, I don't know, rumors, there's a fire, and you're thinking, mm-hmm. like oh you don't God, know. Oh, well, I don't know if they're lying. And then you get this letter. Mm-hmm. How devastating yeah. would that be? <clears throat> oh, yeah. That's yeah, terrible. exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and like, and I'll mention it a little later too, but like their communication systems were like very delayed and down, obviously, mm-hmm. too. So right. it probably took even longer than that. Um, yeah, it was very, it was just a very awful situation. So, um, like I mentioned, after six hours, the fire had died down. So the people who were in the water were six able to hours. come out. Yeah, six hours. God, that's a long time. And it was like the evening, too. So it was kind of like the middle of the night, I believe, when everything had died down. So, um, the only people who ended up surviving were the people who made it to the river um, and who didn't, you know, die of other causes mm-hmm. or to a marshy area that was located at the south of the town. Um, in other areas, too, something kind of interesting is some people actually survived by taking, like, quote unquote, shelter in fully plowed farm fields mm. because then the, you know, if they're out of the trees, the fire yeah. couldn't really, like, pass, pass by it, which is, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, really interesting. But but yeah, so altogether, uh, in the aftermath, the fire consumed approximately 1.5 million acres, wow. or 1,875 square miles, Oof. and ended um, an estimated of 1,200 to 2,400 lives. Wow. Um, yeah, absolutely insane. Um, yes. Including 800 just in the town of Peshtigo, but the fire also consumed an estimated 16 other small villages and communities kind of in the vicinity so they think um i think there's a sign in Peshtigo that says like 1700 is their best like guess but it definitely could Mm. be more um it's hard it's hard for them to tell uh so the fire decimated every building in Peshtigo and beyond it melted metal um some said it turned sand into glass wow that would be really hot hot. yeah that is really hot insanely hot yeah um, and obviously, like, animals and livestock and all of their food supply were completely wiped out. Mm. Um, and the exact number of lives, it's actually interesting. It's uh, its unknown because the fire itself destroyed the town records and burnt. So, like, oh. you know, they didn't have yeah. the records of everyone who was living there. So they kind of had to guess. And also, it burnt people so badly that some bodies were never recovered. In fact, mm. I looked this up. So like a cremation oven um the normal temperature that it would reach would be 1800 to 2000 degrees so it's definitely possible that some people were like completely incinerated and right the firestorm because the firestorm can also get up to 2000 degrees so um -hmm. sometimes i (laughs) it's like so gruesome and like dark to think about but there were people who said that at times they didn't know if like something was a body other than the fact that like 
uh, there would be like a melted belt buckle or like a watch oh. and that oh, no. was like the only way they would even know if it had oh. been like a human which is absolutely Man. insane yeah it's insane yeah yes it is um and then they there were tons of like unidentified remains too so they actually took the remains of around 350 residents um, and buried them in a mass grave at the Peshtigo Fire Cemetery. So there, if you go to Peshtigo, you will see like there is a yeah a mass grave there um, with 350 people buried there. Um, oh it was also mentioned that so many people were unidentified because because either they were burned so badly, but if they weren't, um, there might have been no one left alive who would recognize them, which oh, is so sad yeah. to think about yeah like, it's worse <laughs> uh-huh i know i'm like it's just insane like it's it's crazy i don't know i might have i might have these details later but i looked it up and it's actually more people died in this fire than in like hurricane katrina for instance and you think about wow. the fact Whoa. that it was yeah which i had like it took me reading that to really like understand yeah. like the insane level of devastation and the fact mm -hmm. that like you know new orleans is a huge city so obviously mm -hmm. it's massively devastating but a much smaller percentage of the community died whereas with peshtigo it was a small town to begin with and mm. like over half the people who live there passed away like it's yeah. wow just insane to think about yeah. but but yeah um like I mentioned before, uh, because the communication systems were completely wiped out, it took like days to get the help that the town needed. So survivors in a lot of cases had to actually walk on foot to towns that were miles away to tell them what had happened and that they needed help. Oh. Um, so Marinette, Wisconsin, was actually one of the first towns to respond. So they sent they were not affected by the fire. So they sent um, clothing and food for the survivors. Um, so that was great. And then they kind of were spread from there. But the news of the fire was very heavily overshadowed by the Great Chicago Fire because, like I said, it was the same day. So, mm -hmm. like, they people didn't even know about the Peshtigo Fire for days because they learned about Chicago pretty much right as it was happening because mm -hmm. there were so many people there. Word travels a lot faster. So, like, days later, finally, when it was understood that many more people had died in Peshtigo, some of the train cars that were actually on their way to help Chicago were rerouted to Peshtigo. Oh, that's good. Yeah, so that was good, but it was, like, days late, so... Yeah. You know, it was kind of like, oh, thanks, guys. Like, yeah, thanks for nothing. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like, literally, Jeez. what, like, I don't know, like, six, seven times the number of people died in Peshtigo. It's, <sighs> it's crazy. Um, so... Yeah, I, like I said, very few people have actually heard of this fire at all. Um, even as someone who was born and raised in Wisconsin, like I had heard mm -hmm. the name the Peshtigo right. Fire, like I knew it was a thing, but I had no idea like what the cost was or anything like that until my dad told me. He was like, "Did you know that the deadliest fire in U.S. history mm -hmm. happened in Wisconsin?" And I was like, "That can't be true." But yeah, sure I, enough, I, yeah. I have to be honest. I knew about the fire too, but since the Chicago, because they're a bunch of fibs. <laughs> uh, they uh, they have to get top billing, even mm -hmm. though you know what you're talking about. I've kind of read about, it and I'm like, "Are you kidding me?" Mm -hmm. I mean, it's wiped out an entire town. Yeah, you know, yeah, Ugh. multiple towns really, and it, yeah, it's just it's kind of sad because it feels like almost like the property loss is more important to people mm. than the actual lives, which is right. kind of that's insane yeah. to me. Mm hmm. Yeah, like Ugh. obviously the Chicago fire was still really bad. It displaced, you know, like a hundred thousand people. But Chicago. 
but most people still survived at least so mm-hmm. yes yeah but yeah so something else i wanted to mention because i learned about this and i was like what the actual hell honestly <laughs> so WTF. we talked about yeah wtf i literally have it in my outline is wtf is going on uh we just talked about the peshtigo fire we mentioned the great chicago fire but what if i told you there were even more fires occurring no. in the midwest on that day yeah same day what october is 8th, up with october 8th what is i know this is i literally podcast <laughs> I know, but it's so crazy. I yeah. literally, I was looking up like what astrological things are happening on this day. I don't know enough about astrology to really well, get any you. insight into that. But I was like, I was just like, what could possibly be happening? Mm-hmm. Because there were two other fires in Michigan oh. actually on that same day. So uh, there was the Port Huron fire, which started mm. on October eighth in Michigan, um, which was one of a series of fires known as the Great Michigan Fire and burn multiple cities, including White Rock and Port Huron, and much of the countryside that's in, like, the Thumb region of Michigan. Um, In total, another, like, 1.2 million acres burned. So a huge fire. Yeah. In that one, I believe uh, only, like, 50 people died. So still, like, that's still a lot of people. Yeah. Um, But then on the same day in Michigan, another fire burned the cities of Holland and Manistee, Michigan. Megan and I were actually just there like two days ago. Yes, we were. Um, (laughs) But in total, in those fires, about 250 people died. Um, And yeah, in these fires in Michigan. So that means like in absolute total, at least 2000 people died to various forest fires in the Midwest just in this like two day span of time. Um, but it was cl- likely closer to 3,000, possibly even Oof, more. Wow. Um, so it's just crazy. Like, it's, it's yeah. just crazy to me how that all happened on the same day. But so I, I wanted to do a lot of digging into yeah. how yeah. this even happened because it was just so right. bizarre to me. That's why yeah. that's where the weather.gov <laughs> website comes in. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. So they, they really they have a lot of good information about this. So. Uh, the actual cause of many of these fires uh, is not really known. So people claim everything from like meteor strikes <laughs> to lightning storms to right. in the great Chicago fires case, people say a cow kicked over a lantern, which is not necessarily true. Most people true. do not actually think this is true. It's just like no. the pop culture, mm-hmm. accepting, right. whatever. Um, but realistically, like when weather conditions are the way that they were, like anything could have caused it. So um, what we do know is that the weather conditions across the region during the summer and fall of 1871 were incredibly dry. So circumstances were very conducive to large and fast spreading fires. And again, people just weren't used to that. So they didn't really take precautions. Um, in fact, records show that there hadn't been a like significant rainstorm in the area um, really in all the Midwest since like mid July of 1871. Mm, so again, dry. this was October. So yeah, it was months of like barely any rain and there was no rainfall at all in Peshtigo for 11 weeks, which e. is again, very unusual for the time. Um, so things were very, very dry. Also um, logging and clearing of land for agriculture and local industry contributed to the fast spread of the fire because people, they just like discarded the timber kind of without caution. Um, so there was just like, you know, dead trees everywhere that they had, um, you know, been logging and everything that they weren't um, discarding of properly. Um, and then there was also a general ignorance and indifference toward the population of like the Peshtigo area specifically what? and Michigan, um, which contributed to a lack of services. But I mean, either way, I think, yeah. you know, even with proper emergency services, like 
at the point that the fire had gotten to, I don't think there was any stopping it, but, um, but in addition, and this I think is like the key to why it was like this day in particular. So there was a strong autumn storm system occurring in the area on October 8th specifically due to like a colliding hot and cold front from the North and South. And there was like a 40 degree difference in temperature variations. So this produced um, very strong southwesterly, uh, quote unquote, hurricane ah. force winds across the central plains. They said that there were like 100 mile an hour winds, Whoa. like pretty much Whoa. across this entire area, which is crazy. Yeah. So the winds combined with the dryness really led to any small fires, which were fairly normal, being very quickly and easily turned into larger fires and spreading very rapidly. Sure. So normally, like there would be t- small fires popping up fairly frequently but this day specifically it was like you know if there's a small fire it's going to become a gigantic mm-hmm. fire mm-hmm. yeah um so yeah so october 8th was specifically very windy um it's still strange that it all happened on the exact same day like it's right. strange no matter what but yeah um but luckily the fires of these days across the midwest uh were a huge wake-up call that led to a ton of changes in how oh, we good. prevent forest fires to this day so like properly yeah. discarding of wood that's you know not going to be used they're not mm-hmm. burning stumps and branches right. in the woods right. anymore yeah um and just like taking extra precautions when it's a specifically dry year things like that and having yeah. more obviously now we have communication systems so people know when things are coming as well yeah um so like likely nothing like this will ever happen again um, don't yeah, tell california that <laughs> i know yeah well it was crazy to me too that with all the California fires that still this one in Wisconsin was the most deadly like yeah uh, just kind of insane but so what's really interesting about all this is it was really hard to get a grasp on everything right because this was so long ago but so devastating and and destroyed so much and everything and the closest we can is like to California so my father-in-law lived in California when some of the biggest fires were happening Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is like how silly we are nowadays. So it would it went to LA. And of course, people in LA can't have smoke. Mm-hmm. So everyone just stayed inside and they closed everything down. And everybody was like, huh, look at that big fire. And it's ruining our lives. Somebody should do something about it. And, right. and it kept keeps happening again. And you can, if you want a, a, just a brief glimpse into what it, this might kind of be like, go on YouTube and 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 Google um, fires and like people driving through them. Oh my gosh, those yeah, are crazy! Yeah, videos. yeah, just, absolutely just crazy. Imagine you're a person and you have yeah, your with two no little kids and uh-huh. your grandpa and grandma and whatever, right? And you're trying to get through that. So mm-hmm. again, I highly recommend you know, do that and give a really good sense of what Brooke is talking about here. And you'd yeah. be like, no, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Let, right. Let's give money to the fire department so they can uh-huh. fight these things. Right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, exactly. Oh, my it's, goodness. It's just absolutely insane. Another crazy thing. And I didn't write, write this in my outline, so I don't have like specifics, but I read it briefly somewhere. Um, I read that in world war two, they actually did a bunch of research into the Peshtigo fire and trying to understand mm. the exact conditions and how it happened. Not to, like, prevent it, which, I mean, they did separately, but because they were trying to, like, use it as, like, a form of warfare. Like, yes. oh. these crazy fires. Which was very, again, dark to me, because imagine, like, 
I mean, I know it's World War II, it was different times, but like imagine purposefully inflicting that kind of turmoil and pain on like another population of people. Like that's Aww, that'd be absolutely awful. insane to me. Yeah. yeah I don't know that's... if they ever did it, but yes. So being a big history guy as I am, I can yeah. add just one really quick. So they the, the soldiers would have flamethrowers and what they would do is they would go up to the bunkers of these German or Japanese and they would just light it up. Mm-hmm. And here's the two things that happen. One, it sucks all the oxygen out of the room. Mm-hmm. Now you can't breathe. Oh, by the way, you're on fire too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you run out and this special type of what they developed kind of like a, a napalm, which would cling to your skin so you couldn't wash it off. And if you did try to wash it off, it would get worse. Yeah. Ugh. And then they would also do it in tanks where someone mm-hmm. would jump on top of a tank light it up, suck all the oxygen out of there. The guys would run out. <laughs> they yeah. can't breathe. They're on fire. Then they would shoot them. So, yeah. you know, <laughs> thank That's you, crazy. human society, for taking something so tragic and making it worse. <laughs> yeah, at, right? Literally. That's that's what we're best at, though, right? Yeah, uh-huh. we're good at that. <laughs> Just insane. Uh, <sighs> yeah. But, yeah, so, so very bad. <laughs> but yeah. we love hauntings. Yeah, so I did, you know, I couldn't not put this in there. I wanted to focus mostly on, like, the story and the, you know, all the personal stories. But there is some interesting um, paranormal uh, intrigue about this whole situation. So um, today, uh, this is according to Wisconsin Frights, but I I see this pop up a lot. Um, But visitors of Peshtigo report hearing, like, ghostly voices and Mm. seeing apparitions kind of all around the town but especially Ooh. in the museum and they smell smoke while at the museum oh. and one person even reported having seen the museum engulfed in phantom flames oh wow and it's actually interesting because um i was going to mention this a little later but the uh, museum itself is actually in the exact spot where um a church was that burned down during the fire and they like mm. rebuilt it and then it like burned down again i'll mention this later because i want to get the details right but uh sure but yeah, so the museum itself, it would kind of make sense, the Phantom Flames thing, because it was, you know, right where a uh, building had previously burned two times, it turns out. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's definitely, I couldn't find like super specific stories, but it seems like kind of just normal occurrences that people have in the city of Peshtigo. And, and it kind of makes sense. I think about how uh, how awful it was. Um but this was this was a little out there. Uh, according to Wisconsinology, witnesses to the fire from back in the 1800s um, from Outagamie, Brown, and Manitowoc reportedly witnessed a demon boy riding a oh. black stag with massive horns spreading that, fire as he rode the countryside. That wow. is the coolest thing ever. I want to see that. <laughs> the Wisconsin <laughs> demon boy. Can you imagine? Riding a black stag. That yeah. is so metal. I'm just gonna uh, somebody like, somebody make a picture of this. Send it to like gmail.com. I will pay you. <laughs> right? It, yeah, it sounds sounds pretty crazy. Sounds like That's a metal, so metal album cover for mm, sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and then this one was really weird to me. So um this actually came from Father Pernan, who provided like a ton mm. of eyewitness accounts um, from the fire itself. So he said survivors were apparently reporting seeing a black object similar to a balloon in the sky on the day of the fire, 
rapidly revolving in the air and streaming rivulets of fire in all directions Whoa. and it was like moving what? toward a house yeah which it seemed to according to him it seemed to single this one out one house out for destruction okay. and then the balloon like burst according to father pernan mm. which is kind of insane but at the same time i'm like well what they were probably seeing was one of those like fire right. tornadoes Correct. yeah and like you know yeah. they were maybe like kind of I don't know, maybe the top of the, the mm-hmm. tornado looked like some kind of black object because sure. that's what it kind of sounds like to me. But just yeah. like the, <laughs> yeah, the the description of it, I was like, what? Like, that's insane. Mm. But, wow. um, but yeah, I'm sure like in the chaos of everything, people were just kind of seeing, seeing crazy things. I'm sure. sure. So, so yeah, so there's um, just, just a couple paranormal intriguing things about the story, but um, I wanted to talk a little bit about Peshtigo today because it has, um, well, the, the lumber industry was never able to make a comeback, which of makes course. sense <laughs> yeah. because there were not really any yeah. trees left. Um, and as we know, actually, even the white pines in general are not as prominent mm-hmm. in Wisconsin anymore because they were right. so like over, over chopped, over felled back in the mm-hmm. day. But, right. um, but Peshtigo did rebuild and is now known um, by some as the city rebuilt from ash which is cool. Um, The current population is about 3,400 people as of the 2020 census. And it's about uh, three square miles is the area of the city. Hmm. So, so it's cool. They're, yeah, they're back and they're, they're doing their thing. Um, And then there is also the Peshtigo fire museum. So I really want to go to this. It it looks pretty cool. It's not a huge museum by any means, but it's, um, it has a lot of like artifacts and again, firsthand accounts. And it's right next to the cemetery too, where they uh, buried those 350 people in a mass grave. Hmm. Um, So the museum is located actually on the site where the St. Mary's Catholic church stood before the fire. And then (laughs) oddly, after the fire, a new church was built across the river for the people <laughs> of Peshtigo. Hmm. Um, and then they, after that, built a second Catholic church on the St. Mary's site. Huh. But that church actually burned down again in 1927 <laughs> and course. was rebuilt somewhere else. Aww. So the new yeah. church that was across the river moved back to the St. Mary's site. <laughs> and and that structure was converted to the museum in 1963. Oh, okay. So a little convoluted. But yeah. Uh, yeah, but kind of interesting. Yeah, so so yeah, so that uh, that museum is right where you know one one of the buildings that burned was was located. Hmm. Um, another thing is the Peshtigo Fire Museum is actually on the National Register of Historic Places, hmm. which is cool. Yeah, um, they host storytelling sessions, exhibits of artifacts from the fire, displays of lifestyle at the time in 1871. Um, and the Peshtigo Fire Cemetery, where the mass grave is, is right next to the museum. And there's actually a memorial marker there uh, that was constructed by the town in 1951. And it was actually the first official state historical marker in the state of Wisconsin, oh. Um, oh. which is kind of cool. That's yeah. cool. Nice. Yeah. Um, and then one of the more interesting things that they have at the museum is actually an unblemished church tabernacle, which Father Peter Pernan saved by submerging it in the Peshtigo River oh, as he that's was cool. fleeing. Wow. Yeah, yeah, so it's like completely like you know in good condition still. So that's kind of interesting. Mm. Um, and the museum also includes displays of several letters with first-person accounts of the fire and the cleanup. 
Um, and one of in one of the letters, a survivor describes burying 900 to 1,000 people. Oh, crazy. So sad. I can't even imagine being like the people no. in charge of that cleanup. But um, if you would like to visit the museum, it is um, apparently it's open every day from Memorial Day until October 8th each year, fittingly. So uh, October 8th is the last day that it's open each year. But um, so it's not open yet, but it will open in may i guess and then it'll be open every day for a couple months um so yeah very interesting very cool very sad it's very sad yeah learn about but it's yeah well this is a bummer episode Uh, (laughs) but you know hopefully Hopefully we learned something. And again, we will likely never see um, anything as deadly. Well, you know, a forest fire as deadly as this. It was actually the top five in the top five of most deadly national disaster or um, natural disasters in U.S. history. Crazy, yeah. I think the hurricanes. The hurricanes. Yeah, hurricanes. Yep, for sure. Um, Yeah, the only hurricane that was more deadly than this fire was the um, the one that happened a couple years ago in 2017. Ah, okay. Mm. I have an Amazon package. I don't know if you heard that buzz, but um, but yeah. So other than that, there were no more deadly fires, and I think there was, um, there were a couple other things that happened. I can't even remember now. But yeah, it's pretty crazy. (sighs) But we learned a lot from it, and hopefully, nothing like this ever happens again. So that's the good, the good news. That's the good news. So please, um, you know, uh, do not put out your campfires, people. Yes, (laughs) put out your campfires. Something laying around and start a fire like this. Uh Uh, This was awesome. I, I, you know, what I love about our podcast is we always learn something new. Mm-hmm. And this is something that was amazing. I didn't know a lot of this, Brooke. So thank you for mm-hmm. sharing. I mean, this Good, is, I'm glad <laughs> that is pretty cool. Bummer, yes, but you learn so something. Fascinating. Hopefully, you learn from it, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. All right. So, uh, anything you guys want to add before we move off the topic? <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah, John, if you Megan? want to introduce your yeah your exciting topic so, for next week. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so after this, no more fires, no more haunted lighthouses, <laughs> no more scary children, Megan, tugging at your skirt, no <laughs> more looking out to see somebody staring at you, Brooke, from the oh house. Oh my god, I hate that. <laughs> but it is pretty bad, <laughs> and this thing you can see it. It's the hat man. So uh, this is an urban legend. I am super excited to talk about because it has some foundation in today. And it also, well, Aaron Rodgers is no longer a Packer, but we won't get into that. (laughs) Um, Has a story from Aaron Rodgers. He's my boy. And we won't get into that. Um, Anyway, so. Say hi to your ghost, uh, and also stay spooky. So, ladies, great as always. Yep, we'll see you next week. week. See you next week. For the hat man. (laughs) Hat man.